0: Spirit of living God, to fall fresh now on those gathered under the sound of this your servant's weak voice, those watching us live stream, those who are gathered in this worship space, and speak now, your Holy Spirit, to breathe life into these mere mortal words. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Friends, John has been banished for speaking truth to power, agreed upon by the church and the Romans that he wouldn't be put to death but banned. While he is on this isolated island, at a day that set aside for patriotism to worship the Roman emperor, John says that he was in the spirit. And Jesus came to him and began to speak words, And told John to write these words to the churches. Friends, and that says to me, we're on assignment. We have been given an awesome responsibility by God. Our mission is to introduce people to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the spoken word of God. And for me, of God. I hear it as Jesus is the logos, the one made flesh, the one that was in the beginning was God and is God. He speaks God's words. That one is speaking to John because the local church is Satan's primary source of opposition. Only the church is armed with the truth that can set Satan on his Heals only the church is the is supernaturally equipped to be by the Holy Spirit to rescue the captives from Satan's kingdom. Only the church has the goal and purpose of bringing honor and glory to Satan's hated enemy, Jesus Christ. That means, my brothers and sisters, that Satanly Satan bitterly hates the church. The church is surrounded by evil influence. Notice that these churches that Paul planted, these seven churches, were not planted in spaces where there were just Christian people. These churches were planted in areas where people worship all kind of gods and all kind of deities because they were on assignment to bring the word of God, even in that space. We have a call from Jesus in Revelations, not to compromise though with those around us. Love and faith are essential when facing ungodly influences. There's no way that we can achieve our mission without faith and without love for God and each other. It's too daunting of a task. We cannot achieve it on our own. In the book of Revelation, John addresses these seven churches we have already seen the church in Ephesus who got so caught up in the mission that they forgot why they were doing the mission. They lost their first love. Then the church at Smyrna that wasn't rich by any means and they were under persecution at all times. But they were encouraged not to fear and not to lose that precious faith. Today, let's look at the church at Pergamon. The message of Pergamon is we need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ if we're going to achieve our mission. We need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. At the time, Pergamon was the center of Roman emperor worship. And and those in power demanded allegiance to worshiping a godlike emperor. There was a large throne-like altar built on the cliffs that overlooked the city of Pergamon. It was for the Greek god Zeus. It may be one of the reasons that John refers to the area as Satan's throne. A second reason may be because Pergamon worshiped Roman emperors who wielded great power at that time in history. No matter the reason, my friends, Everyone knew the city of Pergamon that John referenced, located about 50 miles north of Smyrna. Pergamon was a leading religious center in Asia Minor. It was a home of pagan worship and cults, including Zeus. You know, Zeus was considered the all-powerful ruler and protector and father of all other gods and human beings. And Athena Goddess of wisdom and war, and many other false gods were located and worshipped there. Pergamon became a Roman province, we think about 130 BC. And like Smyrna, the people participated and encouraged the worship of the Roman emperor. Pergamon was also known for its civilization and cultural learnings, it was known for its pottery, for its tapestry and parchment. The city had a library with more than 200,000 volumes, second only to Alexandria. Like Smyrna, the believers experienced persecution for their faith in Christ. And as John notes, the believers remain true to their faith, and they remain true to the name of Jesus Christ. Before we get too hard on these seven churches and our foundational brothers and sisters let's reflect what is something in your spirit today that may be causing you to lose faith slowly how difficult is it for you to unconditionally love all of God's created people what could be drawing your attention from totally worshiping God and has you worshiping it more than God. In this letter to Pergamon, Jesus, says his, Jesus his, says his spoken word is like a two-edged sword that will put us in the proper direction. He says, the spoken word of God is powerful. It's a double-edged sword. The double-edged sword that John refers to in verse 12 is a picture of a weapon used in battle which had sharp edges on both sides. It both cut going either way you wielded it. It would cut true and cut deep. In verse 12, John refers to Jesus as the one who has the double-edged sword. Friends, don't miss this statement. The word is Jesus. Jesus is the spoken word of God, the logos, the spoken word expressed di- directly from God's heart because Jesus is God, the one that is speaking to John. is none other than the risen Christ. God is speaking these words. The words Jesus speaks will cut true and they'll cut deep to divide truth from error. John also refers to a double-edged sword as the word of God being spoken by one who holds the seven stars in his hand, who walks among the seven lampstands. Clearly a reference of God and Jesus Christ walking between the churches. This is Jesus wielding the sword. This is Jesus speaking. The spoken word of God will cut through all spiritual false teachings and worldly lies. The spoken word of God will separate and clearly reveal the truth from everything that the world is trying to take us away from. The spoken word of God cuts deep, but like a double-edged sword used properly on a battlefield to reveal sin and bring spiritual healing and life to those who believe. It gives Revival. Church, the church has always been in need of revival from time to time to remind us why we do what we do. The spoken word of God will accomplish all of that. It is designed and intended to accomplish when used correctly. When it's spoken through faith and spoken through love, the spoken word of God will reveal the truth of God. And my brothers and sisters, spoken word of God is all powerful, and it can cut through a spiritual heart of stone. However, the word of God, if it's ignored or muzzled or in prison and not listened or adhered to, not shared, it will do nothing for the person who's living in rebellion and don't know the things of God. God. It has to be shared. We cannot take this word in on Sunday or you're reading it or having a relationship with Christ without spreading it to others. Remember, the word of God is powerful. God spoke the worlds into existence. The word of God will break free Change from us. The word of God is living and alive and active. The word of God will never be totally extinguished. The word of God will accomplish all it is meant to accomplish and all the promises of God that we read in the scripture and we find in everyday life. All that has been spoken has been still to come, will come to fruition. If God spoke it, I believe it. The power of God's word will break every chain, will break everything that tries to take the faith, our faith from Jesus Christ, will break everything that tries to steal our joy and love of God. There is no power on earth more powerful than the word of God. The Bible says not even the gate of Hades will be able to prevail against it. Second, God knows and seize all, including our situation. Roman, Roman rule was the ruling power of the time. The, emperor, the emperor's word was powerful. Roman governors were placed over areas and they were divided, they, the Roman governors, they had two classes of them. You had those who had the power of life and death and they wielded the sword, only they, Only they could sentence one to death. And then there were those that did not have the right to have someone put to death. They they couldn't wield a sword at all. The fact that Jesus says he has a double-edged sword, I believe, speaks to the idea that his authority was higher than any other type of Roman government. The power of Rome was limited, but Jesus' power is that of a risen Lord. Not of a Lord that you put to death, but a Lord that has risen from the grave. A Lord that's straight from heaven with all known powers in his hand. The risen Savior's power. The power of Satan is limited when it comes to dealing with Jesus Christ. John, in relating his vision in Revelation and the message that he brings to the churches in the beginning of this letter is reassuring to the believer that God knows and sees everything and that God is concerned about us and God loves us. We saw that last week that Jesus knew a person's name and here we find that Jesus knew where each of those people lived. Jesus knew exactly where the believers were and what they were experiencing at the time. Jesus knew all about the persecution that these people were facing at that time and I want you to know that without a doubt, Jesus knows exactly what you're experiencing in your life today. Jesus knows exactly what we're going through. It wasn't easy being a Christian at Pergamon with all the idolatry and the worship of false gods, along with all the false teaching and threats of persecution and death. It is not easy being a Christian in a consumer cancel culture society either. It's never been easy to be a Christian. Always we have to look and depend on our relationship with God to see us through. Third, remain faithful regardless of the circumstances we find ourselves in. It's not easy to remain faithful in the face of immorality, in the face of false belief, like those promoted in throughout the city of Pergamon and some even in our city of Bloomington Normal. Yet the believers stood firm in their faith. They remained true to the name of Jesus Christ. The believers, as we see, were committed to stay where they were. They refused to recant their faith. The persecutions that the Christians were living under did not lessen their faith or courage to stand up for Christ and speak a word about how good their God is. On the contrary, they may have become more courageous the more persecution that they faced, and their faith grew stronger, and they remained faithful witnesses to their faith in Jesus Christ. John affirms that Christians in Pergamon were living in a city where Satan lived, a place known as Satan's throne, a place that fully embraced and centered around the worship of idols. Yet the Christians in Pergamon were not packing up and leaving the city the way some people are packing up and leaving churches because something is going wrong that they do not agree with. They were not packing up to leave because they understood that God placed them there to be a city on a hill, to be a light in dark places. Pergamon was a strong witness to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were truly a light on a hill that would shine bright in spiritual darkness of Pergamon. Church is not needed where the room is lit up. The church is needed where there is darkness, where there is people who need light. The Christians that John was addressing were people who were permanent residents of the city of Pergamon. Jesus was not interfering with the believers should leave and move away from the city. No, no, they were placed there to be witnesses. They were not moving away to a city without persecution or without the presence of false gods. No, they were there to represent Jesus by saying The believers lived where Satan's stone was, was a reference to all the evil activity was so openly embraced and participated in by the people in that city. It was a way of saying the city was a center of evil and desperately needed the light of Christ's witnesses. Some scholars say Anthropos, a disciple of John, was martyred around 92 AD. Anthropus was a bishop of the church at Pergamon and is believed to have been roasted alive in a bronze statue of a bull dedicated to Diana while the church watched. The believers in Pergamon would certainly have known or witnessed this evilness of the death of one of their leaders. That didn't even cause them to cut and run from their witness and their faith in Jesus Christ. Instead, the Christians of Pergamon were were commended and remained faithful even in the face of all the evil that was going on around them. Fourth, beware of compromising your faith in Christ. While there was faithful Christians, Some within the church were beginning to be influenced by false witnessing and false teaching. Some Christians were slowly starting to embrace and compromise lifestyles. They soon found themselves in idolatry, worshiping things that wasn't God, in immorality, and accepted all kinds of behavior that was not accepted by Christians of the day. Some began to welcome sexual immorality into the church as sacrifices to God. The spiritual seduction was sleep seeping into the church very subtly. It was beginning to incringe on the body of Christ so slowly that the leaders didn't even recognize that it was creeping into their lives. Teaching like Balaam that's found in Numbers, who was an old sorcerer who taught the people who tricked them into believing in idolatry. It appears the church and its church leaders were unaware that the church was slowly being lost to to behaviors of culture that was creeping into the church. What they thought was worship to God was actually them mimicking the culture of the time. A slow and quiet, Compromise began to creep into the church as as slowly as Balaam infiltrated the old Israelites and began to wither away at their faith in Yahweh. Slowly, that's how sin acts. It doesn't just creep in all at once, we would recognize it, but friends, It it creeps into the church slowly as the way Eskimos used to kill polar bears. Eskimos used to take a very sharp knife and soak it in the blood of polar bears. And they would wrap those rags around that knife and tight and keep soaking it in the blood of polar bears. They would stick that knife down into the frozen ground. Keep wrapping it in the blood of polar bears, and pretty soon an unsuspecting polar bear would come, and begin to look, begin to lick this freeze pop of blood. And it wasn't long before they would begin to get to that blade, and without knowing it, they were in unintentionally cutting them their own self, and begin to drown in their own blood that's the way sin enters the church it enters slowly so slowly that we don't realize that we have compromised the true word of Jesus Christ so slowly that we don't realize that we have got forgot to love God with all of our heart and our soul so slowly that we began to judge people and judge them down to a point where it's hard for us to love them because we've already put them in a sinful corner. It, sleeps, it creeps in so slow that it begins to erode at a faith in a God that's been with us at every turn. So that when a tragedy happens in the world and in our lives, we wonder, where was God? It creeps in so slow, that it begins to tear away at our personal relationship with Jesus. Friends, our whole weaponry, our whole arsenal is dependent on our relationship with Jesus Christ. It starts with loving God with everything we have. It starts with loving people. It starts with having faith that we know that we know that we know that Jesus has not left us alone. Standing firm in a world infiltrated with sin that's trying to destroy the church has to be built on the solid ground of a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't care how you build a church or where you build it, if the foundation of that church is not relationship with Jesus Christ, if a church does not exist to introduce people to Jesus Christ, if a church does not exist to equip people with the love of God, if a church does not exist to foster and further the, the relationship with Jesus so that people can begin to spread that word, it is a church that will be in decline. I don't care how your preacher is, I don't care how many lay strong people you have, a church has to exist for the love of God and introducing people to Jesus Christ and it must stand firm on its relationship with God, not its relationship with the denomination, not its relationship with a preacher, and certainly not its relationship with lay people. God is the foundational stone of who we are The the Nicolaitans taught that Christians had the liberty to participate in whatever they wanted to. The Nicolaitans taught that it didn't matter. God loved you anyway. Do whatever and you'll be okay. Those are the things that began to erode at the relationship that the Pergamon people had with Jesus Christ. And so Jesus said, repent. If we're going to all stead and ward off Satan, we must repent to turn from the behavior that's causing you to slowly walk away from Christ and turn back to Jesus. Not to Calvary United Methodist Church, but turn to Jesus. Jesus will place you where God wants you to serve. The people of Pergamon were placed in a city that was known for devil worship. But God strategically placed them there so that the folk could see an alternative, another light. So the folk could see that there's more to the world than what you see these people worshipping this idol god, this Zeus, this emperor. There's more to life than that. The majority of the people were suffering. And God wanted them to know that there is a better way of life in Jesus Christ. Our relationship with God will send us to places that we had no idea we wanted to go to. I certainly wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my relationship with God. Our relationship with Jesus will place us where God wants us to be. We should never be afraid to teach people and empower people to have a relationship with Jesus. It is the salvation of the world. It is where we get our strength from. It is where we're able to stand up and say, not in this house, devil. As for me and mine, I remain faithful to the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Love of God, love of neighbor faith in God, relationship with Jesus Christ. The first three things that the risen Christ says to John to write to the churches, don't lose your love, don't lose your faith, and continue to nurture the relationship that you have with father we thank you for your teachings in your bible we thank you that this is a word that comes directly from you not from any human being but you said in revelations that you were the one talking to john john said that he scribed what you said and we thank you that you know exactly where we live you know the hardships that we face You know the difficulties of being a Christian and blooming to normal and indeed in the world. You know how tough it is to love the people you have created. You know how tough it is to have faith in a world that tries to steal our faith 24-7. And you know how tough it is to have a relationship with you when there's so many other relationships buying. for our minds, our hearts, and our souls. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit will never forsake us and we will be able to remain your faithful people in this place that you have given us to labor. In Christ's name we pray, amen.